I feel um, like I've I, met you before. Have I met you before? A lot of people say that. No, I, I, really? I no, I just look like a generic really? indie bloke. <laughs> Welcome. We are Neil, Luke, and Dave. Three forty-somethings reminiscing on the runners and riders of nineties guitar music. We look at the bands who soundtracked our youth on both sides of the pond and interview some of our heroes from the bands that defined a generation. You'll hear about the good, the bad and the ugly of 90s guitar music. This podcast is stupid and contagious. Episode 16. Welcome. Um, speaking to Haytham from Sensor later on, where we spoke to him fucking ages ago. It was just taking us a while to get this one out. Uh, but it's a really good one. Uh, I was listening back to it earlier, so look for, looking forward to listening to that and having a chat about that. But um, right, okay. So first things first, Dave. I've got um, don't know if I should tell you this or not, but I've got a bit of bad news for you that came through on the Facebook group this week. So Lisa Dingle, she said uh, that she found this on Wikipedia that um, Tucker from the Lighthouse family has announced he announced in June 2022 that the duo would no longer be performing together as, what's the other guy's name? Bayerwell wished to focus on his solo career. You're I right. didn't know that. That's shocking. <laughs> Was that a Scottish accent? Yeah. Shocking. Why did he keep doing that? Um, is you, have you got any message? Got any message for them? I'm just shocked. Just totally shocked. <laughs> Please stop. Don't you always say shocking with a Scottish accent? I do. No, no, no. I did. Did you know about that, Dave, or not? Um, it might shock you to know that I didn't. The whole lighthouse family thing is just a—it's complete projection. It's in your mind. It's in your mind. But I mean, good luck to them, mate, on their on their solo ventures. I guess. Yeah, and it doesn't mean the end. They might get back yeah. together. If they can have half the success they enjoyed as a duo, then you know. Then they'll have one more song. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would give anything for one more song. Anyway, I just thought, I thought it was important that we, I brought that up just in case. Well, you didn't know, so now you know, uh, and mm. you can sort of maybe you'll have to change your listening taste, get into some newer duos. Robson and Jerome, Wham, Jedward, Simon and Garbuncle. See, if you'd have said Carbuncle. <laughs> That that's would have been funny. To say. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. I just got it wrong. <laughs> Nearly there, man. Nearly there. <laughs> Need to work on that. And the other thing that's come up this week, mainly from from last week's interview with Ian Baker, is Age of Chance. Because you were, you said that you'd started listening to him, and and, and so mm. I thought I'll go, I'll go and give it a go and have a have a listen. It's fucking great. How come we never heard of them before? Again, it's just timing, right? It's just timing. Yeah, they should have been bigger, right? They were a great band. I think they were fairly big. We just, we just, you know, in indie, in indie, yeah, we just missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, they're great. They're really good. So yeah, anyone who's listening who hasn't checked them out yet, go and go and have a listen to Age of Chance. Give them a chance. Oh no, there's one other thing. Um, I can't let this go because you, you kind of. Not, not, not really attacked me publicly, but you made your... Who uh, attacked disagree- you? You. Me? About my Peter Gabriel. It wasn't an attack, but, you know, you made your views known. Um, he's famous for having good videos. Do you not like him at all? 
again, I don't know enough about him to criticise, but I will anyway. Um, it just seems totally fucking middle of the road shite, no? What am I missing? I think he's, there's more to him than that. I think his lyrically is really good. I think you should give it a go. Well, I listened to that one track, I think... Um, Matt put up that wasn't bad it wasn't bad I I mean I I get why you probably wouldn't it's quite sort of downbeat melancholy stuff but you know there is there is more weight to it than a lot of the poppy shite I don't mind a bit of downbeat melancholia but if it's wrapped up in like middle of the road fucking coffee table middle class shite then I'm I'm not I'm not into it you know did he do something with Kate Bush yeah did don't give up, didn't they? Where they spun oh, around on brilliant. that turntable thing. That's brilliant. Oh, that song. was a good track. That is a good song. Yeah, well, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Sledgehammer. Yeah, that was on slow as well. But um, I got into them via they were mentioned on another one of our podcasts. The, the girls from Beading, Kate and Naomi, mm-hmm. and that they introduced me oh, to yeah. Peter Gabriel. Well, literally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> met him. Yeah, outside Boots in Brighton. <laughs> It's a meeting place. But no, yeah, they, they they introduced me to Peter Gabriel and I've been a, a fan ever since. So is he in the news because he's num- he's like number one or something at the moment? Is that right? Is he? It's been sort of about 20 years between that album and his last like proper studio album. So it's so quite two a big years deal. per song. It's a pretty slow work rate. That's like one word a week. <laughs> it's a pretty good job if you can get that, like spending 20 years on an album. I'm sure he was doing other stuff, though, right? Yeah, he does soundtracks and all that sort of thing. So he's done other sort of albums, but they they haven't been like full studio albums. They've been cover albums and stuff. I, like, I really like his his voice, and I, I just think he writes a good tune. You enjoy it. If he was if he was if he was signed to like Reggae Reggae Source Records or whatever they're called, then he'd probably like. It. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> it's a source. It can't be racist. Well, you you're just you're just giving like a, a generic African name to describe like a you know. A, Ugandan record label, come on! Ah, uh, no, 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 no. That, that that's just coincidental. The actual purpose of it was that it rhymes with nege nege. So, oh, so you do actually know it? You were just you were just knowingly being racist. Gotcha. All right, all right, all right. He's only given a funny name to something. Has anyone ever tried reggae reggae sauce? Yeah, it's funny. We were talking about that yesterday in my in my house. I was wondering if they still make it. And when we bought it, I thought it was. Pr- wasn't very nice but i thought i bet the original sauce that levi made i bet that was great does he not make it anymore well it's mass produced isn't it and that peter jones cunt would have cut every corner possible to <laughs> I don't mind to cut peter every jones. cost to make the most profits and come up with a shitty sauce <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to put one of levi root songs on the playlist oh is he the guy the entry is he the entrepreneur yeah, but he's also a musician. All right. I'll write it down. So at the moment, we've got Lighthouse Family, Robson and Jerome. Wow. <laughs> Good play. <laughs> no, I'm not fucking putting those on. <laughs> I might put Robson and Jerome on. I don't mind a bit, Liam. Any news from anyone else? Fell off my bike. Oh, dear. <laughs> like a teenager. What happened? <laughs> like a teenager. My knee's completely <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Did you cry? <laughs> Do you have to put some Dettol on it? I didn't have any. That's the thing. I didn't have any, right? So I I was kind of looking around the house and there was nothing. So I got this stuff from the kitchen, this like industrial kitchen stuff. Sprayed that on it. It was, it was, oh God, it was agony. It was like it was on fire. It was ridiculous. 
So how did you, you fall off your bike? Did you? Did I've got you... no idea. I was going down a hill quite fast, and I think I was trying. I think I just put too much weight on the handlebars, and I took my feet off the pedals for some <laughs> it reason. Falls off their and... bike when they're falling. Oh, right, I don't right on. exactly, <laughs> and I, I just took a tumble. <laughs> did anyone see? That'd be embarrassing. No, there were a couple of people like at the top of the hill. I don't think they that were. You know. When I walked back up to go home, they, they, they pretended they hadn't seen, which was polite of them, I guess. You better watch those wounds, though. You could catch Tetris, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get that. You can get a Tetris jab. I, I should have done, but... Have you had a Tetris jab? I don't think so. Dave, what, what have you been listening to this week? I'm trying to think what I've been listening to, apart from Sensor. I've been trying to decide... Uh, my top ten of the year, so I've been kind of listening back uh, to to the the contenders to decide who was going to go in the top ten. I've been kind of doing that a lot this week. You know, I do like a top ten albums every year. Oh yeah, you albums do, of the year, you little bastard. Yeah, I forgot. About I that. do, I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, right. Yeah, so let's get on to this week's episode, which is Haytham from Sensor. Luke, do you want to give us a bit of a Introduction to Sensor. Will do. So I'm going to go for political indie rock rap. Yeah, I've just got rock rap, but that's that's probably a better. And you need the political element in there, right? It's essential to what they what they do. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, originated late '80s. Uh, first, they were called Sensor Element at first, basically bringing together lots of different styles: hip hop, metal, folk, and jazz in their backgrounds. Apparently, a uh, bit of a psychedelic kind of proggy thing going on as well. And this is without Haytham. I've got a few little ditties from this period. This is from Wikipedia. His mum and dad were classically trained violinists, played for the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, but his dad was wow. ejected due to his outspoken and rebellious behaviour in rehearsals. Probably doesn't take much to be rebellious in the Royal Philharmonic, to be honest. This is also about Steve, that he, he used to participate in beatbox parties, battles, sorry, parties, beatbox battles receive respect for his skills at just 14 years old at the London Electro Club Spats. Cool. Well, we can't go on without having a beatbox battle, can we? It's, that's not happening. I can't. Me, me, B versus you then, Dave. That's easy. One, one down. Go that's... on in, Dave. You go next and I'll battle you <coughs> after. <coughs> Hang on, I've got to warm up. You go and then I'll, I'll come back. <coughs> Fuck, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what that is. I didn't think it was possible to be worse than Dave. I think... Yeah. <laughs> I did it. I did it. One more try. Right, I'm I'm pretty sure I can do this. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. It's better than, better than Luke and I didn't even bother, so... And I don't think you'd have been as good as Steve Morton at his beatbox. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That was pretty good. I know I can do better than that, but never mind. He'd drawn influences from Beastie Boys, NWA, West Street Mob, KRS-One, Public Enemy. At the time, Nick, who was also in the band, was honing his guitar skills to bands like Slayer, Anthrax and Black Sabbath. Yeah, and actually, well, in the in the interview, it's a bit of a, a spoiler, but he, he mentions like uh, hearing like Public Enemy sampling Slayer was kind of like a kind of like gave them permission to uh, kind of put those kind of two things together in, in what they were doing when they're dying synths up. 
Yeah, so Haytham joined. Um, I can't find the year that he joined, but I guess it was like early 90s. And mm. yeah, basically added the rap in and also started writing like the political lyrics um, as well. Um, like you say, um, they, as well as kind of recreating, you know, instead of sampling um, Slay, you know, they were making metal riffs, but they also had a live producer and a mm. live DJ as well, which kind of made them a pretty like exciting live band, right? Oh, at the time, like, that, that's new. That was new shit, you know, samplers and DJs and all that sort of thing. But it was a new thing back then. It wasn't easy to do either. They didn't have the technology like it is now. It was a big old pain in the ass, I think, to yeah. have that in your life. Also, set. they had the, uh, the boy-girl vocals, which kind of made them pretty unique mm. as well and I think really worked. Especially in rock music, right? Yeah, yeah, when you do get it, but it's, yeah, it's usually kind of a folky kind of, you know, back and forth thing. It's not like um, like them kind of rapping against each other, you know. Like we were saying, this is pre-new metal. That didn't exist then. So, you know, you can't compare it to any of those bands because that was a lot later. So this was pre all that. There wasn't anything else really like it around this side of the pond or in America, I don't think. It was quite mm. a very unique sound that they had. Debut album didn't come out till quite late though, not till '94. Uh, stacked up, um, got to number four in the charts, which is a bit of a surprise to me. That's really high, right? I'm not that surprised because I remember them being everywhere at the time. Age of Panic was a huge tune and Switch, so I'm not surprised that they had quite a high charting album. I think they were for a time they were a big deal. It's funny, a lot of it's very familiar. All that album. Um, and I know the songs, but I'd completely forgotten about Sensor until until now. You must have listened to it around one of our houses, eh? Yeah, and, and you know, they it must have been on the radio. I think Danny used to have it on his in his bedsit as well. I'm pretty yeah. sure he was quite into Sensor. I'd just forgotten about. To me, it's just it's just like it's just like an exciting sound, right? It's like full on like chaos and energy going on. Like it's, it's great. The fusion of rap and rock is it's been done so much now, but back then it what it was something new and exciting, and I think yeah. it was good that it was a British band doing it. You know, yeah, I, I was reading something um, a couple of days ago, and it, I think it was written by an American. They were basically they were saying you know, basically they sound exactly like Rage Against the Machine, except you know there's a there's a female vocal now and again. I was like, well, no, they don't. <laughs> I don't think no. they do. That's a terrible analogy. Uh, I, I, I don't think they do, but there you go. There you go. I think it's interesting that they, they kind of came out of the same kind of like traveller kind of uh, free festival mm. squatter scene that, you know, like band like the Levelers or whatever came out of. I think that has made a difference when to he, maybe not only how they sound, but, you know, the whole outlook and their approach and everything. Yeah, I think so. He, he said that that was quite an accepting community at the time. And he said that's where... I don't really understand this. You you might be able to explain it more, but he's he does talk about it in the interview. But the, that scene was quite punk. That's where a lot of the punk elements of music was going. Mm. I don't really mm. understand that. But well, it come out. It, well, I guess he's talking about it came out of like, especially like the kind of the squatter scene. Kind of is the birth of kind of like crust punk in the kind right, of early okay. to mid eighties. So I guess he's Never referring to that punk. aspect. of Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, because that mean like, oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. I like it. I can put some on the playlist. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk more about that 
at some other point. But yeah, so yeah, he was he was saying that 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 scene was very sort of that's where they kind of fitted in for some reason. Yeah, but again, it wasn't just punk. It was punk. Then it was bands like Transglobal Underground, which he mentioned, which mm. were much more kind of you know dancey. So Osric Tentacles, all those. Oh, yeah, which were more yeah. proggy, right? And I remember your brother. At the same time. He, again, Sam seems to have introduced us to a lot of music <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. But I remember your brother was he loved Os Osric Tentacles, didn't he? He did. He did. They were they were a bit nuts for me, but good. But yeah, they they seemed pretty out there, right? Yeah. Um, so they, they did that and they're all everywhere and they're being successful, but between the debut album and the second album, they basically split into two factions. Yeah. It's weird that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It speaks One about half it in the interview. Mm. Yeah. And then Haytham and a couple of the others, um, made a band Lodestar who were much more kind of straight ahead, kind of rock and metal-y mm. and pr proggy as well a little bit. Yeah, but kind of hard rocking kind of thing. They only made one album. Um, it's pretty good, but they they did pretty well. Um, that came out in '96. They did pretty well. Supported Tool. Um, in London, you know, fairly you know, big, decent yeah, sized yeah. band. Yeah. So that album, Asylum, was he not involved in that? He's not on it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, I listened to it. I actually like I liked it quite a lot, but um, it's just the woman's vocals wouldn't it what, what's her name yeah yeah kirsten so then they kind of i think they officially split in 99 and then a few years after mm. that they, they kind of just got back together to the well, not the original lineup but the uh the first album lineup and they've basically been going ever since then they've released three albums since then and they're supposed to be working on another so yeah uh as uh he mentions at the start of the interview so he basically he moved to paris um 20 years ago and he, he did he's done a couple of um things since then so he's in a, a sludge band uh, in paris who released a couple of things called a band called fiend which I had to listen to it was, it was pretty good and yeah. another band called entronaut it's kind of like a proggy kind of metally rocky thing i guess that's, that's what he's into and yeah, yeah doing at the same time as doing they were doing since so, so yeah keeping busy did we see them live i'm i can't remember if we did or didn't i think we did at one of the festivals I think we might have as well. It might have been one of the century yeah. festivals, right? Yeah, I I'm think just pretty we did. sure that I would would have remembered it though, like more vividly yeah. than I do, because I did like oh, it. I don't know, man. I can't remember <coughs> shit these no, days. I can't. No, and that's that. It's a good job we're doing this podcast now, and not in five years. So I think it would have been a different story, to be fair. Serious CRS. Go on. Can't remember shit. Don't you remember that cab? So that bloke, he had he had a cap and it said, I suffer from CRS. And then under in brackets, it said, can't remember shit. Don't you remember? <laughs> I do now. But again, my memory isn't like it was. So you can't just throw things in there and expect me to remember. CRS, man. Right. Should we uh, get into this week's interview? Here is Haytham from Sensor. Enjoy. Haytham, how you doing? Uh, thanks for coming on on the uh, on the podcast. Um, you're in Paris, right? I am in Paris. Yeah, yeah. I've been here for about twenty years. Have you? So it can't be all bad. <laughs> what made you move out 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 that way? Uh, I married a French woman about ah. twenty three years ago, <clears throat> and she we were in London. And she'd had enough 
for being there. So fair enough. We came this way, and then when we separated about another ten years later, I was already set up here, so I just stayed. It's close enough to England. Yeah, 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 for sure. Forth. Yeah, um, do whatever. Yeah. Can you? Has, has you... Brexit fucked anything up with that? With going back and forth? Not for me. Though. Well, indirectly, it's harder to get to tour. It's hard to, harder to get like censor over here. Yeah. And yeah, that's it's doable, but it's just a bit more of a, you know, that we've gone back to the days of carnets and filling out a load of forms. Yeah, right. Right. Things have just become more. They've made it more difficult for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, you'd think like. Um, in a country that's based on culture and music, they would have uh, looked into the uh, effect of culture on music on, on on such a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they didn't really look into the effect of it on anything, right. let alone just bands in a van, you know, or a tour bus. They didn't think about the effects on it on mm, subsidies, fishing, farming, uh you know logistics they they just didn't think about it i don't they missed, know they really. missed a few things yeah few things. <laughs> <laughs> they missed a couple of points yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah it kind of indirectly i mean i can still travel back and forth easily because i've got french residency and british nationality so yeah doesn't really change much for me personally but in terms of the bands and stuff yeah right because there's there's two bridges there's load stars making another record almost finished it yeah oh wow i was gonna ask about that later maybe okay great okay great. yeah 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 well, let's talk about it now T tell us about that yeah, what's, what's happening just like the three members uh part of the, i mean the guitarist we're still friends and everything but he just lives in america and he's sort of very much into his own style of you know he's a much more kind of straightforward rock and roll guy really mm. and uh we're a little bit more anyway uh, haggis the bass player uh just mm. made a, a load of demos and said oh what do you think of these and we were like these are fucking great let's do something with these and mm. uh it's just it's turned into a really cool sounding record so that's going to be out eventually right Hopefully this, this year, year. Hopefully. brilliant yeah brilliant wow wow yeah. look forward to that yeah. Um, can you just tell us a bit about how you got involved with Sensor? Were you in bands before that, or how did it come about? You started playing with the guys. No, I wasn't in bands before that. I listened to a lot of music, and I was surrounded by a lot of actual musicians, people who had had lessons in music. But I, I used to listen to a lot of hip hop and rap music in general, and then I started experimenting with substances and my music taste changed <laughs> and i was right. listening to a lot of more weird music and a lot of heavier music and mm -hmm. hanging out with the same people and then at some point we were like i think really you know things like especially public enemies the second album where they sampled slayer we just a kind of light bulb went off and we we're like this they're actually they're sampling it we could actually do this. We could actually, we've got the yeah. DJ, we've got the, the the musicians to do it and the rap skills to do it. Just like, like why don't we just do music that sounds like right. this, but yeah. isn't sampled kind of. Mm. So we were already doing all this kind of weird, like, yeah, no, I wasn't in bands before is the short answer. Yeah, I just yeah. got to it via friends. They sort of invited me in to do something in a 
pre-existing band that was a bit more psychedelic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So didn't you start asked me to do a couple of raps? Yeah, and weren't you doing? And I did it. You do a bit of percussion as well, don't you? What didn't you do with Spencer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done much of that for quite a while. It's just that's what I was doing. Yeah, I was doing a bit more of that because, it, yeah, it sort of filled the sound out a little bit and it gave a bit more texture to what was going on. But yeah, I haven't done it for a while. It's just, it's just, I don't know why that's sort of fallen by the wayside. I think we've been more into sort of the songwriting thing than the texture yeah, right. thing, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Public Enemy and Slayer, and I know Sensor put out like a hip hop covers EP, didn't yes. they, with like Eric B and Rakeem and the Beasties mm -hmm. and everything. Um, yeah. But also, I was I was looking through the the liner notes of, of the album uh, over the weekend, and I saw like the oh I'm always interested in the bands and the other bands that the that bands thank right. So yeah, you, that, there's there's all the hip hop and stuff, but there's also Tall and Primus and Rollins mm -hmm. and Can yeah. and even like Hawkwind and someone so the, the Mahavishu Orchestra. I mean, was that yeah. like a fair reflection of what your sound was about? Absolutely, that amalgamation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh yeah so johnny the drummer was really into things like can me and johnny were into can and mahavishnu orchestra and things like that more kind of uh out there things yeah, and the psychedelic yeah. like hawkwind we'd already played with them a few times by the time uh by the time that record came the first record came out mm. so yeah no it's very it's pretty accurate reflection of what was <laughs> what we were in into um <laughs> But they are the most extensive and ridiculous liner notes I think that I've ever seen. <laughs> they're great. They're great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't looked at them for a while. I, over the weekend, I was going through the whole thing. It, they're they're great to read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot, maybe too much going on, but you know, I like it. I'm I'm still okay with it. Well, I mean, saying too much going on. So, I mean, how how did you manage to make that work? That you know, complete amalgamation of different sounds. How did you manage to make it work? uh it's really it's a good question i just thought i think we just did it we just tried to do it instinctively and not force things and just allow things to you know try try it see if it sits well if it doesn't sit well if it doesn't really sound good that was really the criteria does it sound good to, to people who are already listening to that that wider scope of music we weren't just you know an indie band that was just listening to you know, whatever indie bands were just before them um, mm. or, or listening to just Bowie or whatever. Um, we were just, we were listening to a very, very wide spectrum of music. And we just, the idea is like, allow it, tr try it. If it doesn't work, don't do it. If it, if somehow it works, then you've got something that's, you know, that's good yeah. and it's workable. Mm. But it, it's not easy, really. Uh, the hell, if you have a DJ, it's good because they can just throw in little bits and pieces. And if you have someone that can do programming in an interesting way, then then you've got you've got an advantage as well because you can bring lots of samples or recreate samples. We yeah. recreated. Uh, we asked Brian Eno for a, a little bit from uh, "Here Come the Warm Jets," yeah, yeah. and uh, he he was like, "Yeah, sure," but we, they wanted a massive amount of money for it, and we were like, <laughs> "Yeah," I guess we're like, "Oh, we'll just make our own version of it." So we could just make our own versions of samples that we couldn't. Yeah. We didn't have enough money to to license. But like back then, it it, it wasn't like today. Is that was quite new technology, really, wasn't it? Sort of early nineties, like um, still recording to tape back then, I guess as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it also gives the whole 
whole thing a much a very rich sound because everything's yeah. going through valve preamps onto tape. Yeah. But uh, we did like Haggis did have like uh, Akai uh, rack mounted sampler and he'd been working on it a lot. You know, he knew how to use it and he was pretty good at manipulating sounds and a DJ who can just like spin bits in off records. Yeah, so right. You've got quite a large palette of, of things. Yeah. Sounds and possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's sure. water. <laughs> sure. I'm sick of just, drinking just no out of plastic. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, it's just. <laughs> someone was talking about just this sheer amount of plastic that we've been drinking oh, from true, plastic man. water bottles, and true. so I'm. I've got to switch to that. But people do think I'm just swigging lager before <laughs> midday. Why not? Why not? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so you know, that's interesting though. That I mean, that kind of environmental consciousness that was kind of always part of what Sensor were doing, right? I think, like, um, I, I think we saw, or I did saw Sensor like one of the free festivals that they used Which to right. put on in the early nineties. Um, mine possible aren't very good. Yeah, I mean. That kind of thing with like Osric Tentacles and Eater and Transglobal Underground. That was definitely like a kind of a psychedelic political movement going on and that free festival is kind of a core part of that um mm -hmm. was that all was that part of like the band's political ethos at the time was that something that was important to do or just the scene you were in or whatever uh i think it's a bit of all of that because if you're kind of doing something very eclectic which has something a bit heavy in it and something a bit psychedelic in it and political ideas naturally kind of in this in the woven into it and a sort of a position then you're only going to be welcomed in sort of slightly countercultural spaces and you had a lot of free festivals which on the surface looked very hippie and very crusty mm -hmm. but they were also like they they were the the place where punk had gone to really right. like you know real practicing punk and not just surfacey kind of punk, but, you know mm -hmm vegans and vegetarians and the anti-war movement and the you know mm. anti-fascist movement and all this sort of mm. stuff um mm. that's where all that had sort of gone and that's where you were welcomed in those days and and unless you were doing the sort of indie bands around camden pub like that's how we're gonna we 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 would go we did the same thing but with a van we'd just go around england and go into france and just mm. you know play shows and uh and there are other bands that were like that. So Transglobal Underground, a little bit more, like a little bit less, you know, psychedelic and a little bit more mm. urban and multicultural. They're great. They, they're still amazing. Like yeah, I yeah. still see uh, Tim every now and again because he's in Paris and mm, they, he right. still does great music. Uh, Osric Tentacles were really part of that world and we toured with them a couple of times. But they had a mm. massive following and they were really yeah, welcoming to yeah. us. So we were like, okay, we'll get, you know, and they loved the kind of contrast between this new weird music and their their stuff was really sort of seventies thing that they evolved like into this very refined, trippy mushroom music. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Th those that's quite a good example of the, how wide the thing was because if you listen to Transglobal Underground, it sounds very refined and very mm. uh, like I don't want to say. Yeah, it's, it's multicultural, but in a kind of very, mm, 
mm, sophisticated way. Whereas the old Osric tentacles is just like, oh, that sounds trippy. Let's use that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. there was a whole, yeah, I guess it was a sort of countercultural, uh, something countercultural really existed at that time. And I, yeah. it's not as strong now. Yeah. It's harder oh. to, go on. No, 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 you carry on. You carry on. Well, it's just harder to sort of, also, I'm that much older. So if those things, I know that there are things going on. There are a lot of things going on, but just, it doesn't take the same. The, it's not as focused. It's, it's slightly more spread out and even more grassroots. Yeah. Um, back in the early days, did it take take long for you guys to sort of create a bit of a buzz? Were you just playing around London or did you just sort of go to around the whole country? Well, we started doing gigs around London for about... <clears throat> I don't know, maybe a year and a half. And then yeah, the obvious, the way that, you know, it's the Henry Rollins way to do it. You just need a van. Yeah. You've got a van. Yeah. Then you can it's... go get in the van and you can go anywhere and you can literally stand on stage, do what you do. And then say, Hey, we need a place to stay. I mean, you used, be, you used to be, used to go, used to be able to go to Europe as well. Right. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we did. Well, we, you can, it's just a bit of, it's a palaver. Yeah. It's a big deal yeah so um no we used to so to give you an idea of how it worked before the internet yeah yeah pre-internet right pre-internet pre we weren't even make we had cassettes we were making cassettes yeah and that's what i was buying at the time yeah 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 for sure yeah so you could make a demo and you could you could make it like a piece of music to sell basically (laughs) on cassette and you could drive around in a van you could do you could book gigs by, by on you know by phone yeah. and you could go to different places and the first time you go you'd play to whoever was there and then li- by word of mouth it would literally double or triple each time you went back yeah, so you the first time you by the by the time you've done the tour of england four times you're playing to 500 people you know yeah. we've had this people. we've had similar conversations with uh ben from the census things and a few other people and they say the American hardcore model yeah. of um yeah. of building a base, yeah, yeah. Just need it's a really van. Interesting. Yeah, get in the van. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And also, you need to not have kids. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> you need yeah. not to have that much responsibility. Basically, yeah. you need to be able to live a very frugal life. You know, you need to be ready to sleep in a sleeping bag, and you know, you need to live live a very yeah you need to make some kind of sacrifices oh, yeah, at of the course. beginning so yeah i think it's uh it's a little bit more difficult now with a lot of the venues shutting down i think the grassroots venues so i think that yeah obviously that's an issue as well uh, back then like if there's a nice little circuit going on right i think some of that the skeleton of that circuit is still there yeah you know there's stuff there you can still just about if you wanted to do that you could probably still do it. Those things are there, yeah. but I don't know if people are just going out and seeing what bands are on or whether, yeah. you know, if that yeah. idea is still there. I just, to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a little bit out of touch with that element because I don't. I think we all are a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just go where they've got enough money to pay for us to get there. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you writing all the lyrics at the time? All my lyrics, yeah. Uh, okay. Always. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the political stuff that you were kind of rapping about back then is 
depressingly still relevant. I mean, what's what's your your take on the the current UK shit show of a government over there? Does does this really need to be asked? <laughs> we can cut this bit out. We can no, cut no, it no, out. No, but... no, no, it's just it just it, it's you know it's it's it seems insane that these people are still there when you think about when this ball started rolling how long ago how long have we had a conservative government well, in the uk and look at the different years, yeah. faces yeah. that have been there and look at the, the amount of damage they've oh, managed terrible. to do if you catalog where we where we've been since you know in the last well david cameron you know mm. that <laughs> yeah, kind of started this sort of uh rut yeah, that then that the, the the horror show that they put in motion and was conveniently camouflaged by um, the, the pandemic because yeah. they got a while to sort of just step back and say, "Hey, we got to talk about something else." Yeah, it worked out well for them, I think. That yeah, <laughs> and they're still somehow milking this thing. It's yeah. it's it's uh, it's, well, a, it's a go-to excuse for every anything now, isn't it? Well, we had the pandemic. And that, that sort yeah. of excuses their lack of ability to get anything right. Yeah. I'm 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 concerned about how long it will take to redress, like, you know, yeah. reset the balance in the UK because things are getting permanently lost. I mean, I say permanently look anything that we've ever had in terms of rights, someone's had to fight for them, someone's had to establish Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Someone in power has had to take responsibility and do it. Like the National Health Service, you know, education, like, uh, you know, minimum wages, all these things people have had to yeah. put in place through some kind of struggle. And when once it's undone, yeah, there's going to have to be more struggle to put it back. We can't. 100%. Like, and, 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 but the problem is that they've made the UK so apathetic. There's so much apathy, especially now when I'm in France and I see oh, they yeah. move the age Very of retirement. Very different over there, isn't it? They, they tried to move the age of retirement always... by two years yeah. and the whole oh, country it? went mental yeah. for about a month and yeah. the streets were full of full of rubbish and there were you know there were massive massive demonstrations the the, the main uh union here the cgt uh drew out everybody again and again and again and whatever happened with that law it sends a, such a clear message to yeah. the government that, like, we're not, we're not, we are listening, we are watching, yeah. we know what you're doing. Whereas in the UK, all they had to do is, oh, look, the Queen, oh, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and everyone was just like, we're not allowed to talk about these things now, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. the right moment. They bought in, yeah. they bought in that sort of, they're sort of trying to get rid of people's right to protest, and people have just gone, oh, yeah, okay. Fair enough. It's just that's <laughs> dangerous. It's nuts. It's huh? really dangerous. Very, very dystopian idea. If 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 it, if it's no longer really legal to to protest, then you're yeah. in trouble. You know. You, yeah, and again, true. all these things are going to have to be won back. If if and and they're not going to be won back on their own. It's like so. I think that the culture, the kind of countercultural position, ha will at some point happen with younger people. It yeah. will happen at some point where that will be like, oh, this is what we've got to do. I mean, I it guess... was sort of happening. Go on. No, 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 you carry on. You carry on. I was just going to say it was sort of happening with the environment. Young people, their main cause, when you talk to them, it's like mm. the environment. 
Like, yeah. None of this is going to mean anything if, if we've ruined the biosphere. Yeah. I guess you had a, a not quite the same, but a similar kind of atmosphere in the early 90s. The Tories were still in power. Um, mm -hmm. Did that sort of affect... Criminal justice bill, yeah, some of that, right? The songs you were right, yeah. I guess. Those, it just, by comparison, those things seem like <laughs> hard, yeah. not much now. And yeah, you had these huge like movements to try and resist those ideas and, and, and hold hold some ground. Now they're just sweeping massive things off the table and everybody's yeah. just looking at their phones. <laughs> but I think that's it. It's just people are distracted by so much other shit that's not important. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also going to be how if 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 and when there is some kind of a regrouping of young people, uh, that that's how it will happen. It will happen using yeah. technology, even if it can be traced, whatever the all the things that people are paranoid about. It just none of that really matters. You can still it can be used in that way. Yeah, we need yeah. an app. We need a special app. Make that one. Someone's, <laughs> an app to, yeah, just like. <laughs> Get people out and about, yeah, get out, out yeah. on the street app. Yeah. yeah. That's what's going to do it. That is what's going to do it. I agree. Some I think sort it's a gonna... technology related thing where people go, oh, yeah, I can just do it on my phone and everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you need yeah. to give that to the, to the kids. Yeah. Um, so you, you said that um, you wrote all of your lyrics. So yeah. does that mean the other parts were they written by the by the other band members, by Kirsten or Justin? whatever? Yeah, yeah she wrote her. Justin, yeah, it's okay. She, 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 yeah, she wrote her parts, and I wrote mine, and we tried to make them sort of sit together. Like sometimes there'd be some little bit of collaboration, but most of the time, we just wrote our own parts, and it just, you know, tried to make the thing fit together. Yeah, hmm. I mean, it's a great dynamic on stage. I thought. Um, I, I, I was watching yesterday, I watched one of your gigs. I think it was Glastonbury 94. It was a great, great gig, great crowd. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. it? Yeah, just about, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I think I think that was the year, because we spoke to Jeremy Leverer, I think that was the year like um, all the fences went down and there were just too many people there. So there was just, mm -hmm. the crowds were just huge. But yeah, I was yes. watching the gig and it did look pretty insane. There's like 40,000 people there or something. So yeah. it's a big, it is a very, it's a lot of people to, so it's a big adrenaline moment. It's not, yeah, I can imagine. you're not, it's very hard to sort of uh, communicate in any way other than just do your music as, you, you know, you're not, there's no kind of audience participation. There could be, but many, I've never really there? been that person. Yeah. I've never really been too much of a, Freddie Mercury audience participation <laughs> type, but um, yeah, they were very impressive. The size of of those gigs, yeah, um, and it's a straight, it's a it's a testament to how much people want that. They want to hear some ideas in music. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. I think it's still the case. Uh, the last time that something like that happened was when Jeremy Corbyn was on stage <laughs> I was at Glastonbury. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of a, yeah, uh, pe people at Glastonbury, for some reason, uh, well, not it's obvious really, but um, yeah, that they, they're they sort of hungry for some ideas and, and yeah. a sense that people have shared, uh, some kind of shared ideals. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think 
the audience of Glastonbury has changed a little bit. It's just people that can't oh, a lot. afford to go, really. <laughs> yeah, but I think even those uh, people probably yeah. yearn for some meaning. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, yeah. I remember seeing it like 15 years ago or something. I was looking after my friend's house. Uh, his flat, sorry, in uh, near Brick Lane when he was away, and I was just watching it on TV because I wasn't there. Yeah, and it was just Phil Jupiter and that lady from Kaniki, whatever her name is, Lauren. Oh, and they're going, Oh, that was an amazing gig by the Jicks there on the enemy stage. And let's go over to the Hicks on the main stage. Like, <laughs> oh, that's an incredible set from the Knives. Let's go and see the the Wives and the Hives. And it was just like, are there any bands on here that aren't like white? Yeah, modish. Like, like yeah. if we removed the kinks and the jam from that whole, you know, it was a whole yeah. period when it went super white. And I remember on Sunday, yeah. Buick came on, and so, it was like a fucking spaceship had landed. It was yeah. like, oh, it's a woman. okay, yeah. this is possible. <laughs> yeah. It's a woman, and she's yeah. like, it's everything's so competent and so yeah. creative, and like she's not just trying to be the jam. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. But we're sort of a little bit out of that now. But yeah, the crowd is, is, it's not the same. It's not the same feeling. The first time I went to Glastonbury was in 86, I think. I was really, 87, sorry, 87, because I was 16. And it was just bikers and speed yeah. pills and motorhead. and Not motorhead. It was a lot of psychedelic bands. And there was people yeah. like face down in the mud. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was different. Yeah. It was, you know seriously but then you know you can't expect things to be what they were 40 years ago no, it will no change. things change things do change that's for sure yeah um so you played yeah. you played guest blast glastonbury and big gigs like that and stacked up was a what's like top five hit right huge it was a album. huge album i mean how was it yeah. to suddenly be in the charts alongside you know rock set or, or whatever when you were this underground anti-corporate kind of band well i mean the corporate part of it wasn't you know we we weren't really there was nothing how can i put it yeah we didn't have any of that kind of machinery behind us we had a small independent label in camden it was like mm. you know three little rooms um two you know the the people that ran it was just you know two guys andy and morris and they were just it, we we weren't that, but we had. Mm. It, it was still a time when, you know, if you could sell that amount of records, you'd be that. That would be your position in the charts. Yeah, if you could mm. kind of rig the system or or like hack it by just. That's what that punk rock thing is that with the yeah. band. It's like yeah. it's just what the kids would call a hack. You just be able to, you you would be able to take charge of it, you know, yeah. and that's what got us there. So we didn't have any problem with it. We were just. It was mainly other people's perception. Nothing changed for us really, except the visibility. Yeah. So when mm. someone, when when you're visible on TV, especially in those days, because there was no internet, yeah, people see you in their living room, and mm. they see you as like one of the family, or they like they feel like they know you. Yeah. So we would get people coming, you know, people would just come up and talk to us as if they knew us, and you'd be like, "Fuck, have I met this person? Do I know this person?" Was I a party drunk and I met this person? And, yeah. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, no, no, they've just seen me on the telly and they think that, yeah. that that they know you. And like, 
and then you got you, then you have this sort of moment of like oh, okay you yeah uh there was you know that's the, the personal change that it did you enjoy was, that, that part that of it, it kind of a bit of a bit of stardom did you it. enjoy it not really no, no not really no there's really nothing you know it's just it becomes that part of it is like that now becomes another part of your job is to sort of manage that relationship with people you don't know yeah and and uh try and try and do it in a way that's uh, yeah i was a bit too young really to deal with that sort of thing i i, I wasn't particularly comfortable with it i did my yeah. best and i don't think i always did the best job but i did my best yeah yeah, yeah it must be difficult yeah. i i think we've heard that from a lot of bands as well because you gotta remember <clears throat> bands in their early sort of incarnation that people are usually quite young and then they're sort of thrown into this like playing top of the pops and stuff and it's and then all of a sudden back then you know that's like 16 million viewers on top of the pops so yeah if you get put in front of that many people and all of a sudden yeah. you're not just a underground band anymore you know yeah well we didn't get that so we, so we didn't have that thing of top of the pops we had yeah. a lot of weird more weird underground shows like raw soup and the word oh and... do you play the word i was going to say the word yeah we did the yeah. word we did a bunch of things like that so it was a specific it was still our kind of demographic that were it wasn't yeah. just anybody coming up to us yeah um so the word was really it, important to us back then yeah. that was like yeah. our unmissable show for our yeah. our generation right yeah oh absolutely yeah it was mental the time slot the the yeah. content the anarchy yeah 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 it's very chaotic yeah. yeah did it feel chaotic when you're on it was it was it a bit sort of mm. i mean no i think I, I because i don't have a huge experience of those type of shows but it's yeah. still you know you're backstage you know you know waiting to go on and then, yeah yeah there's a sound check before and there's, you know, cause we yeah. were performing live on there. Yeah. You know, that was, that was what yeah. was cool about it. Yeah. And um, yeah, some great bands were on there. Oh, that was yeah. such a good show. Oh, Race Against show. the Machine, Nirvana, Nirvana L7, 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 Sepultura, Sepultura, Sepultura Huggy Bear, oh, there's so many. Right? Yeah, that yeah. was a great, it was a really good show. New Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah amazing it was just an amazing show for that music wise it was just brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we like someone it. should do a kind of compilation of it some put them all together just the music because it was yeah. So yeah. Cool. yeah oh yeah just all the yeah that's yeah all the bands that played on the word it, it was just um and the crowd as well because i remember the crowd was really close to the band wasn't it it was all sort of quiet. yeah yeah it was just loads of kids falling over each other moshing yeah away. it was just yeah you're playing nuts. on the on this it's like a lightning bolt gig where they're just they're, yeah. they're just on the floor yeah with the band, crazy with the... i loved it yeah, it was really good yeah yeah um, yeah. You talked earlier about about your you had, a, you had a dj that could like drop in little bits and pieces like that so that was like way back like 92 91 92 that you had a dj so my mm -hmm. question is are you going to take responsibility for new metal uh i would take responsibility <laughs> for new metal if they would send me the check <laughs> but until someone sends me the check for like 
Yeah. Right. No, Limp Biscuits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If they if, if Limp Biscuits sent me a massive check, then I'll <laughs> I'll say I'll give them my no. It's fucking awful. <laughs> It's hideous. It's a hideous. Yeah, I mean, when that came out, that was They're... like 93, 94, the new metal bands came out, right? And they just completely, I don't know how they managed to make it so bad, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a few things that popped out of that that were good, but it's just, I don't know. It's just the culmination of new metal for me. Have you ever, have you seen the Woodstock? Yeah. Uh, Woodstock yeah. Documentary? Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's, it's a good right. documentary. That... If anyone hasn't seen it, they should go and watch it because it is. It's just, it, you know, it's funny to watch, but yeah, it's not not really funny. It's 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 it just shows what happens when you let something like hip hop get pulled so far into a kind of mainstream yeah. white, Man. you know, male, yeah. sweaty. Yeah. It, was it, just, it just became a bit disgusting. Um, yeah. There are some things within that that were interesting. I, I'm struggling to pull them out right now. <laughs> Maybe that Static X thing with the executioners was cool. I like that. Okay. Really, there's not much. Oh, Judgment Night, I guess. Was I was going to mention that person. earlier when you said, yeah. I was going to mention that That's not really before. new metal. That's new metal only in the sense that it's guitars and hip hop. But it was more, that was more like a kind of, you know, clash of direct clash of slightly older artists. Well, that's more yeah. like what you were saying at the beginning about how you wanted to make a band that was metal but also hip hop. That's exactly what yeah. Judgment Night was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas something like what, we, what I think what most people imagine by new metal is very cynical. It's okay. just, it just sounds cynical. You can, it just sounds. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It yeah. does. Yeah. 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 But I mean, when you guys come together, there was nothing like that on the scene here especially was there that that was it was really quite there wasn't something. anything like that in america I think, no, either. no 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 did you yeah. did you play america or yeah yeah we <laughs> so we did a few of our own shows which were really good yeah and then we were holding out to support a bigger band in america and it just the only person that kept going i'll take you guys i'll take you guys was moby ah uh. Not quite the same sort of vibe. Oh, and it was just horrible. Um, so, yeah, it was just a horrible. Speaking of um, incompetent um, adoption of other cultures, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was before he did all that stuff. It was right. still around the time of play, so he was yeah. still doing yeah. his like, "Oh, I'm a rave guy," and all his yeah. his audience were like green-haired, like fifteen-year-olds with like sucking rave dummies, and it was just they. We came on and. Every night we just made these people like pull a face, like, what's this? You know, <laughs> so we did yeah. that for a month. And it's funny for the first four or five days. Yeah, but yeah. after a month, we were just like, I just, this is this is just pointless. It's totally pointless. Because you yeah. know that that effect of you play to the people and then they'll tell a friend or whatever. There's going to be none of that. None yeah. of those kids are yeah, going to yeah, take yeah, anything yeah, yeah. away from this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that was that was our experience of America. Um, but our own shows were good when we we did, yeah, we did our own gigs in LA and New York. We did a few, yeah. and they were great. We did a limelight, I think, in in New York. Yeah, we did a few shows like that, and they they were really good. That was yeah. for people who actually knew what they were coming to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. I mean, um, uh, well, everything I've read said that since the kind of broke up because of musical differences, the kind of the classic. Um, is that true? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's not musical differences really, but what it is is like we had, so in those days, there's this whole build up before we even got signed. Mm. I try and do it concisely because so we did all that band stuff and then you know we were playing a lot of those songs from that first album and developing them then we got signed to this little label and we recorded the stuff in Bath and then we then went on to tour it for about another three or three years that first album like we just kept going with that I don't know yeah. it seemed like we'd been playing the same songs for about five years mm. which yeah. I think we had yeah. At the end of that, I was just like burned out with trying to do this. I, I just I just needed a change or I needed a break. I was also listening to much more kind of heavy stuff with singing and melodic. Like, like know, what? Content. Uh, I guess things like uh, Soundgarden and Tool and, you know, Jane's Addiction and uh, Faith No More and stuff where it's guitars and melodies. Yeah. But, you know. And so I was like, well, I want to do something like that. And I guess at the time, our management, they sort of tried to convince us to take a break, but they didn't want to stop the machine. Because the, the yeah. by this time, there was a lot of money involved. So they yeah. didn't want to put that on pause for me to do another band with the drummer. And uh, Yeah. So they said, well, let's just make it two bands and then we'll have two money-making units on, on tour and <laughs> yeah. uh, which was a little bit yeah. cynical and i think was if they just say look said look just take a year off you know do that come back and do the next sensor album but they were like in the end they were they, they were like okay they kind of folded too quickly to the idea of separating it and letting it become yeah. two things yeah um i was exhausted with sensor the you know yeah. the personal relationships when you're yet that young quite tricky yeah it's hard being on the road with yeah. with those people it's quite an intense atmosphere i would have thought so it can be you know yeah. if you're spending like 200 days of the year together in yeah. a tour bus in dressing rooms yeah. we were doing big yeah. tours we we're doing a lot of a lot of uh gigs and then after that you're supposed to go and do all the you know it, it was really full time every yeah. now and again we get a couple of weeks off but main it, it was pretty much a full-time thing yeah and um so anyway but all i really needed was like a little bit of time off to reset and go back and but by the time it wasn't that long afterwards really that we made the next record schematic mm -hmm. we just got back together and did another one but by then it was just like everybody had been told that sensor didn't exist anymore so we had to sort of start it all again yeah <laughs> and yeah. we did and yeah. we're on our sixth album now and it's yeah, still, that's it. like, yeah, I was going to say you're still, still going. Yeah, not just still going, but what happened is that, like, the fan base was, a lot of it was enemy melody maker type people that were accessed mm. via this medium, which then died. Yeah. So we were left with the people who were really loyal were the heavy metal people, the heavy people. Yeah, and those people never really stopped, and the clubs that were playing those records never stopped playing them. So mm. we would be able to make new stuff and maintain this sort of level. And so we got, you know, asked to do Hellfest. We asked, you know, a Download Festival. Yeah, we, we we were sort of a the first time we did it, we were a bit like, oh, you know, I wonder if we're going to be heavy enough for these pure yeah. heavy metal festivals because mm, yeah. we'd never played Donington or anything like that. Mm. But by the time we were in that phase, that's where we, we like 
those people are loyal, man. Yeah. They, yeah. Metal yeah. fans yeah. are they? Like they're they so are. loyal. Yeah. yeah. Someone once said to me, yeah, my friend said, like, you can make a load of shit albums, and if you, as long as you come back with another one, they'll go, oh yeah, but you know they'll be back with it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And there's yeah. nowhere else. Hip hop does not function like that. Indie music doesn't function like no. that. No. I'm not saying that we made loads of shit albums, but, but <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying that like <laughs> that they're very forgiving. They're like, yeah. oh, I don't like this song. I'm going to wait till they play the song that I like. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They're yeah. just really devoted. And so we had our own kind of fan base and we had this sort of larger one surrounding the kind of the metal thing. Do you think the so, stuff you did with Lodestar, sorry to interrupt, do you think the stuff you did with Lodestar helped to to get that? Because um, that kind of made, that was heavier, like you said, and, you know, yeah. um, there weren't really any UK bands doing that kind of kind of progressive kind of rock, heavy kind of rock thing at that time. Uh, wasn't there one called Head Swim? There's a couple of things like that, but not... Okay. They were more like a kind of lyrical, grungy type. Yeah, you're right. There mm. wasn't a lot of that. Yeah. There were some cool, heavy underground bands from that hey, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. not quite that. Yeah. Yeah. Was it hard to make the switch from rapping to singing? Well, I sort of did it in public. You know, I did it. I, yeah. I just was learning on the go. But yeah, I guess, I, guess it, I think it, it was... I taught myself about music and I've had any lessons. I taught myself about, you know, dissonance and harmony and intervals and uh, like time, you know, counting time, you know, time signatures. Taught myself mm. all about that as, as I went along. I was always surrounded by good musicians. So I was already into that before. I was already mm. into King Crimson when I was 15 or 16. I yeah. was into, you know, weird, proggy, the kind of cool side of prog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was into the uncool side of prog as well. You know, like I would listen through a Yes album to get to that. I was going to mention Yes, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like there's bits in there which will just make you completely like lose your mind, but you have to sit through half yeah. an hour of Rick Wakeman solo to get to it. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't wear a cape on stage or anything, though. <laughs> I, I didn't, and I regret that. Yeah, I mean, there's never say never. Still never time. say never. I've got that's I think I'm going to try and make that happen hold you to that yeah I need a cape there's more there need to be more capes there's such a lack of capes very true but yeah, Although, there, no, are. No, no, there are in drone music and yeah no there was that's true that's more of a cowl I reckon like the thing that sun yeah, do cowl. that's more of a cowl than a cape isn't it that's true yeah there's a lot yeah. of cows going on there are there are too many <laughs> But you're still, so you're still busy, busy doing sensor, which is great. I mean, we're, yeah, we're obviously pandemic really put a, a stop yeah. on it. Yeah, but we were playing a lot of gigs. We were playing a lot of uh, festivals and stuff. Right now, we're just trying to get this record finished. Yeah. Once this is finished, we will start setting up proper touring for this record, yeah. which will be the, we did, we have played. This is Lodestar record. No, they, well, there's two Since of them the record. Are, are okay, okay, okay. Right. Yeah, both of them are in kind oh, of mixing stuff. stage. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As a collaboration I'm doing with this girl, Yaz Ahmed, uh, who's an incredible trumpet player. That's just me and her mm -hmm. doing that. And yeah, I'm doing a track 
with this guy Mike Ladd, who's a poet rapper. Yeah, uh, I'm doing. I'm, I'm personally, I'm just doing whatever interests me. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Works. <laughs> but it sounds like you always have done, right? Yeah. 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 I haven't stopped. I mean, I've got a sort of. I've got day jobs. I teach in Paris. I teach at an art school and a. It's school about uh, animation and, and oh, games cool. wow. and stuff. So yeah, I teach. But that's uh, creative as well, right? Yeah, it's creative and it allows me also to leave if I need to go off and yeah. tours. Mm, yeah. They're very, very lenient with my teaching schedule. Yeah. Do, you, do your uh, pupils know much about sensor? Do you tell them? Some of them Google me <laughs> and find out who I am. And they're like, yeah. Oh, out. <laughs> yeah and there's like a moment where they're like passing the phone around and like what are you doing and like we're looking at you <laughs> with a shaved head yeah <laughs> quite a nice feeling though i guess yeah. yeah 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 well one of the things that we talk about i talk to them about is like trying to make things with a limited limited resources because especially the graphic design people i talk to them about that cover the, the mm. stacked up cover yeah mm. yeah because that was done before the internet, but on a computer. And it's yeah. uh, like, it was the drummer from Dodgy's brother. Right. Remember the band Dodgy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Yeah, we've so, got them on soon, I think. So. Brilliant. Well, uh, uh, the drummer's brother um, had a computer. Ooh. Wow. wow. And a CD <laughs> with some kind of graphics thing in it. And we were like, okay, let's go. And they, someone talked us into doing that. So we went over there, me, Haggis, and Johnny. I think I can't remember who went over there. And it was like, okay, here are the photos that you can use. And it was literally like five pictures. It was a tree <laughs> frog, an x-ray of a hand, some clouds, yeah. and some blood. There was like five or six. And we just went, okay, tree frog's no good. We can't use that. Um, it, basically, we used three out of five of the photos that were on there. <laughs> And this was the best and one. We were just like, okay, we've got to make this work. We've got to make it. Was it was so and people loved it. I don't oh, know. Yeah, it was just. That's cool. It's great. And I tried to say to them, like, you know, uh, it's a good example of like when you this is what you've got. You you've got to make it work. Yeah. And and, and uh, it, it did work. Is it still? It's it quite work, an iconic yeah. cover, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I like it. I don't know. It has. It sort of certainly has references to other album covers, like especially yeah. Crash with the barbed wire in the hand. Yeah. Okay. See. Okay. Didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but that's a fluke because we didn't choose the images. You know, we chose them <laughs> by default. Yeah. Um, I love all that stuff. I love how stuff like yeah. that comes about. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it um, go, on, go, on. go on. No, no, I wasn't going to say anything important. Go on. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, people probably <laughs> see the cover and think that someone slaved away, like, in a, in a graphic design room doing all this, and it's just you guys and a computer picking a picture. Yeah, yeah. We slaved away right. for literally <laughs> as long as it was like, okay, that down a bit, left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck it, that's it. We, got, we, got, we didn't have any choice. It was literally, we need the cover tomorrow. Yeah. And where do we do this? Um, it probably was on a weekend, so the companies, like me company, who designed yeah. the logo. So the logo it, we already had from, I think yeah, it's yeah. that guy, Paul, who did Bjork's stuff and he did, uh, yeah, me company did the logo. So we already had that. That helped. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right, we won't keep you much longer. We've been we've kept you yeah, way yeah, too long yeah. already. We're sorry, sorry. Um, no we've got a question from our Facebook group. Neil, have, do you want to ask it? So Matt Jammy wants to know, what was it like being part of the legendary Mega Dog tours? I think you played with Apex Twin. Is that right? Yes. Do you remember these tours? Yeah, so they weren't tours. They were big things that they held these massive Mega Dog ball. It was like in a huge venue northeast london if i right, remember right. rightly so yeah so you had one which was kind of more shoegazy i think and a bit more and then some that were like these insane psychedelic all-nighters yeah. so you'd have like apex twin i can't even remember that's that, right like, yeah because you played with apex twin is that right on, well on yeah these at these sort yeah, of yeah. events and they're doing crazy, one right? soon they're doing one like in two weeks we're playing another one oh somewhere. really Oh, that's good. Yeah, they're doing it some. Is that that dog I fest actually... that I saw on the Sorry? your website? Is that the dog fest thing? Yeah, I saw it on I think your website. Doing their own... So I think that's yeah. going to be a lot of weird psychedelic music. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, they were great. Those those gigs. Uh, what was it? Just in a huge, a huge venue, was it? Yeah, there'd be venues with different rooms. I can't remember. Hang on a second. I'll probably be able to find it for you easily. Right. But yeah, they were amazing. I mean, incredible. All nighters. You yeah. just. You know, you go to a different room and hear something insane yeah. that you never expected. I mean, Apex uh, Twin I have it was somewhere. pretty crazy, right? Apex Twin was doing the thing where he... I'm trying to remember. I think he was doing... I saw him a couple of times. We played alongside him a couple of Once he was in a little plastic Wendy house with the teddy bear jumping about. <laughs> right. And the, awesome. once he was like... He was in like a pit... So you could only see like the top of his head and he was just surrounded by synths and he had this weird kind of Tai Chi topless guy dancing. It was very nice. intense. It was, but magic, you know, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, artist, right. so different to everything else that was going on. No, I don't see it. I thought I had it here to hand, but. Yeah, that's good. No. Don't worry. But yeah, you enjoyed, you enjoyed those shows though. Yeah, amazing. Because well, we started off doing stuff at the George Roby in North London with a club when it was just Club Dog. Yeah, and they had really wide variety of weird bands on. So yeah. then they that was so popular that they created uh, Rob and Michael were the two guys, and they created this Mega Dog thing because they knew they yeah. had enough people and enough bands to put on these big, yeah. big all nighters. Yeah. Oh, cool they, oh maybe they did the Brixton Academy as well. Oh, really? Hawkwind and all that. I think yeah. they did that one. Yeah, I think that was them. Oh, good stuff. Um, before we let you go, we just we've got one question that we sort of asked all our artists, and that's just that: if you could have been in any other band around that time, sort of, who would it have been, and and why? Wow. Yeah, it stumps a lot of people. This one. <laughs> You can't just say censor because they were better than all the other ones. No, so. we can't just say censor. That's that, that defeats. <laughs> no, that's not allowed. Come on, yeah, come on, come on. Um, let me see. Well, I didn't really know the Melvins at the time, but like I got sort of got into them like just a couple of years later. And I was like, oh, that is an incredible band. Yeah, just incredible. It's weird, yeah. right? I also think that Consolidated, although they're a bit kind of, yeah, I think they went a little bit unnoticed. Like, I, I don't know what happened to those guys, but they were really interesting. Gunshot, 
Uh, someone said like about that Gunshot. They, they played with you on, on a tour. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, someone else in the Facebook group mentioned Gunshot, yeah. I would say New Kingdom, but I, I kind of did end up playing percussion in New Kingdom right. for, like, for one tour, so that one's ticked off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. The Melvins. The Melvins, yeah. that's a great answer. I don't know Let's what the that. fuck I would have done in the Melvins, but I would have loved to be in the Melvins. Yeah, it just doesn't, right. yeah. 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 <laughs> Play the bongos. I feel like um, I've I met think... you before. Have I met you before? A lot of people say that. No, I, I, really? I no, I just look like a generic really? indie bloke. <laughs> what a generic what bloke? <laughs> like a generic indie bloke. I just look like a, I generic don't. I, indie bloke. I just look like that. <laughs> Seriously, I was at, um, I went to see uh, La Tigra in Tokyo uh, oh, a few amazing. years ago. Who I, I love La Tigra. And um, the guy from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs um, came up to me. Um, Nick Zinner, the guitarist at the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. He came up to me and he said, um, hey man, weren't you in uh, Jonathan Fire Eater? And I'm like, I, I'm no. just, I'm just a generic indie-looking bloke. No, 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 I wasn't. No. I bet you love that. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Brilliant. No, yeah. I, I get that a lot. No, I'm just a generic looking. If you wear a guy. slightly vintagey shirt, you know, and you carry yeah. around some kind of obscure-shaped instrument case. <laughs> What I'll start that, doing. The funny thing is, you doesn't even play any instruments. You don't play anything. I've got absolutely no talent whatsoever. No, that's why I collect records. That's that's my uh, my compensation for lack of musical talent. Uh, yeah, you no. need to get those bongos going. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey man, thanks so much for coming on. Really yeah. appreciate. It. Really enjoyed it. And for giving us so much time. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Hatham from Census. Seems like, a, well, it was a long time ago. But I, I'd forgotten how good that interview was. He's, he was really interesting, isn't he? Really interesting guy. Dave, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was a really good one. Enjoyed that. Yeah, it was really one of the chattiest interviews, I thought. You know, just, uh, I guess it was a bit like that with Stu Whiffen as well. But, you know, just seemed like three friends having a chat. But what I love love about doing this podcast is you just don't know where it's going to go do you and we didn't really know know where the where the conversations were going to go but it, it was good that some of it got quite political but i don't mind that you know they're a political band so i think it's important to sort of cover those sort of things um i think uh because of where he, him living in france and and the whole brexit thing they're talking about they're talking about how it's affected touring and his stuff with censor and it was a real fucking stupid thing to do in that respect, wasn't it? Cult to not be culturally aware of the effects that that was going to have on... Because it's a massive part of British culture is music. And they didn't even think, well, this will stop people like small bands going and touring around Europe. It's fucking nuts, isn't it? It's not even cultural awareness. It's, it's, it's you know, it's economic awareness too. It's, it's a huge part of, you know, the UK industry, you know? Yeah. So so ridiculous that they hadn't even considered any of that stuff. Well, it just goes to show the people that are making the decisions, doesn't it? It's one of the biggest shames, I think, one of the biggest downsides. Yeah, I know a lot of bands, they're not huge, but they make a living out of being a band, and Europe was part of that thing. They used to go and do like a, a month, two months, touring around Spain and stuff, and now they've got to fill in all this paperwork. It just doesn't make it worth it. It's just not worth it, and you have to pay for each country you go to, and... Really fucks it all up. 
But he, it's good to see that he's still kind of politically um, passionate and all of that. Mm. It's good to hear all of that. Stuff he was talking about, you know, up-to-date stuff as well, and he's, he keeps up with it and he still feels strongly about yeah. it. It was just great to hear, you know. Probably living in France helps all of that because they're not shy to get involved in stuff over there, are they? Because we've all become a bit apathetic over here and just let, letting them sort of run roughshod over our democracy. Whereas over there... You try and raise the retirement age by two years and there's fucking riots on the streets, isn't there? Viva la revolution. I like that about the about the French. I mean, we've all got good and bad points, haven't we? But that was a good point in the interview, how yeah, they just don't they just won't take anything. And no. you know, they're actively protecting the rights they've got. And we're not really, and I don't really know why. It's the media, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's an easy thing to say, but it's it's undeniable, right? It's yeah. you know, it's it's too much hugely right wing media that's dominates yeah. Not only that, but if you've if you've ever you know, like sat in a hotel room in France and turned on the telly, there's these like big long three, four hour programmes where people just sit around like talking at length mm. about like politics and, and stuff like that. Listen, they're not like these like five minute three word slogan bullshit that they have on you know tv shows over there they're like proper in-depth you know philosophical yeah. debates about you know political ideology and stuff and this is on like you know mainstream tv you know night mm. after night if you get in france it's um it's a different way of doing it and the media has that has that space allows that space and you know the uk media just doesn't doesn't allow that space basically yeah. i think you know? The only good thing that we can say about that is the young people these days don't really consume like we used to, I guess. So they're probably more aware and they're out on social media finding their own way, you know. There's other ways to get news these days and they don't just have to get it from the TV and newspapers. And I think young people probably get their information from better sources. Hopefully they'll be like a young a young countercoat culture and it's probably happening now but we just don't know about it um things like the environment are their main concern that's they recognize that <laughs> without a planet we're all fucked so that's the most important thing at the moment is to you know so they're quite invested in that uh and i quite like the idea that he said there might be like a technology-based revolution like through an app or something you know where they're called to arms through an app which you know probably the way it's going to go isn't it Something yeah, I've got like that. that in my notes as well. But mm. with this, I mean, I, I'm I'm a software developer, make help make apps and stuff. All right, have a plug, plug yourself. <laughs> the I, the out on the street bat. It seems like a good idea, but how is it actually going to work? Well, we don't know. Someone else will come up with it. But you know, when when like when like Twitter was new. Um, 10 years ago, you know, it was directly responsible for like the Arab Spring and getting people out on the streets that way, right? Now Twitter's been taken over by, you know, Russian yeah. bots and right-wing fucking nutcases. But they, yeah. if there's like a new version of that, then sure, sure. Dave, get on it, man. Yeah, the the key, I think, is to get people to work together. Yeah. I, I know we're probably not fans of Elon Musk, but the one thing he said about creating an organisation. I like his truck. You just get every... You've just got to think of an organisation as lots of arrows and you've just got to get them pointing the same way. 
Uh, Luke's shaking his head in disgust. The guy's an absolute first-class, grade-A cunt. And nothing he says has any value whatsoever. Well, that's that's ridiculous. What a fucking... Hey, he's got a knob-shaped rocket. Oh, is that someone else? If I was the richest person in the world, I wouldn't spend all day on fucking Twitter, fucking going, making battles with... Like no, he's he's an unhappy. He's the richest person in the world, and he's unhappier than I am. Uh, what, yeah. what the fuck, right? Yeah, but what the fuck? You're right, but that it's doesn't funny. mean it's funny. That doesn't Who's mean the that there's nothing rocket? to learn. Can someone from answer me. <laughs> Jeff Bezos has got the knob shaped rocket. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, carry on. I like his truck. He's ridiculous. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I like it. It's like Mad Max. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know much else about him. I just like his truck. Anyway, back to the interview. I I thought I found, I, I picked up on this point that um, isn't it wasn't a huge point, but I did find it quite interesting that he said um, he sort of mentioned a period in music about fifteen years ago where, and I remember it where it was all white modish sort of male bands, and they were all they all had the same similar names: Hives, Knives. And it was when Franz Ferdinand were about and Kaiser Chiefs and all of that. And it was all, they were just all trying to be mod bands. And I, I, I'd i forgotten about it, but it, it was. I remember it now, clearly. Um, it was a really weird time of music. I did yeah. enjoy that part of the interview. And the, the Rakes were in that group, right? Yeah, the Rakes were, were your mates were part of that, yeah. But, it, you know, but there it, was some good stuff there. There was, I think there was too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think some of the music was was really good, but it's true it was all sort of middle class sort of white boys, wasn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. But they were all they did all have similar names like nine they, they all sort of you know, they go but that's what happens. They go in waves, right? Or go in scenes, you know, like Britpop was always like the sing the single word, right? Oasis, blur, yeah, pulp, yeah. suede, yeah, that right, kind of thing. Right, yeah. Um, emo was like the, the sentence band, you know, Panic at the mm. Disco, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I just, thought, I just, when he was talking about that, I thought, fucking hell, yeah, you're right. I remember that. I enjoyed that. Also, I thought it was really interesting. He said, like, um, that the metalers are the only ones that stayed loyal to censor. The metal bands, they were right there. They, they, they played Download, Hellfest, and all those sort of things. And we've spoken about this before that metal fans are just really, really loyal, aren't they? You can go and make a couple of dis- disappear or make a couple of shit albums, but as long as you're doing something decent at some point, they'll welcome you back with open arms. Yeah, I, I love that part of it. It's there's something very different about the metal scene to any other scene. Yeah, I think it's very open, very generous, very inclusive. <laughs> even yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, new metal is. Would you say that's just metal that's totally lost its soul. So Haytham, he's talked about how he hates new metal. If anyone hasn't watched that Woodstock, is it 99? Was it Woodstock 99? Yeah, it was really yeah. good, that. Yeah, watch that documentary because it kind of explains it all in there. And what he said is if you allow hip-hop to become... I've written it down because I, I thought it was really interesting what he said. If you, when you allow hip-hop to become pulled into that sort of white male misogynistic sort of world and it becomes just a really toxic horrible sort of mix of nothing they took like a really decent genre of music well two decent genres of music and just made a really shit one 
out of the two. Yeah, there's not many redeeming features of new metal, right? No, it's, it was, but that yeah, that that documentary it's definitely worth a watch. It's horrible. It's it's sad, isn't it? Really sad. Because the the guy, the original organizer of Woodstock, was involved, and you could see he wasn't a bad guy. I don't think. But he just didn't know what was going on. I don't think he didn't know. Yeah, they just lost control of the whole ethos and festival. <laughs> it's carnage. I bet it was good though. I bet if you went, it was pretty, probably quite good. It didn't look very. It didn't look much fun on that documentary. You'd have turned into. I, you might have enjoyed it, but you'd have might have turned into some kind of crazed lunatic like a lord of the flies situation yeah, yeah i think so new metal just seemed to be like a it was just music for angry sort of white men wasn't it but they're like they've got no reason to be angry they like they like middle class white white boys who are you know yeah they're just saying burn something just for the sake of saying burn something but there's no real well, because they know that in anything. two years they're going to graduate from university and become a fucking lawyer that because their dad wants them to and hate themselves for the rest of their life neil when you went to australia did you go to somewhere called nimbin yes i did yeah so nimbin it would have been like a, a what the fuck you stop saying that stupid word what is it i know what it's nimbin a town is. it's fucking nimbin motherfucker it's a town. Ta- it's well, it's a village, and it's like a hippie place. Mm. It's been and like in the sixties. D- it was probably. I'm trying to explain it, Neil. <laughs> Fucking Neil. <laughs> Go on. In the sixties and seventies, it was probably like, like a really nice place to go and a hippie place, and you know maybe enlightening and creative. But over the years, um, you know, so drugs were freely used, right? But I think over over the years, it got more and more harder drugs and heroin. And and when I went there, yeah. it's just not nice. It's, it's horrible. Of, horrible. It, yeah, not great. Mm-hmm. It's just a tourist attraction now where loads of people from England go and do that in front of a, a like an old VW van and buy some weed. Sounds all right. So they've sort of decriminalised it, so it's sort of, People, the authorities turn a turn a blind eye to to drugs and stuff. So everyone Wicked. goes there to get their their holiday <laughs> stash. But it's right. not a very nice place. It's got a museum. It's yeah. got like a a weed museum there or something. I don't know. It's just a weird. It's a weird place. It's another story of something <laughs> good losing its soul and becoming horrible. Yeah, basically, if you go to yeah. if you go to where is it? It's near Byron Bay, isn't it? So if you go to Byron Bay. It's basically just some, that's one of the excursions you go on. You go to Nimbin and uh, buy some hash cakes. Wicked. Never had Nimbin on my list of things to talk about, but... Back to the interview. So you you asked him if he'd been in bands before and he said no. He lied to us. Well, I found something and it, apparently since like in 92. So like, I guess maybe, I guess maybe he'd already joined Sensor by then then. Okay, so he didn't lie at all. Apparently, he released uh, something with with a Damsky under the name Jet Slags, but I couldn't find I couldn't find it to listen to on the internet anywhere. Oh, man, that's got to be good, hasn't it? It's got to be good, right? They released a twelve inch called Be Strong, and it was yeah Haytham and a Damsky and someone else um, in ninety two, which it's on Discogs, but I couldn't find it to listen to. If anyone listening or watching knows where we can find this masterpiece then please let yeah. us know because we'd like to post it on the facebook page 
Yeah. Rip the vinyl, post it on a Facebook page. Um, also, he mentioned that they were working on new music for both Lodestar and Sensor, but as far as I can find out, I don't think anything's been released yet. So, I, I like the fact that, because uh, he teaches now, doesn't he? He teaches an art school in, in Paris. I like mm. I like the idea of his pupils like Googling Sensor and seeing this shaved-headed, young, political sort chested I like also that he's he's they're talking about how the um the artwork, that iconic artwork for that album behind you came about. It was the early days of well of computers really, ni- early nineties. They were just went by the pictures that they had in their uh, software at the time. There's about choice of about five different pictures. I mean I've always thought, you know, that was probably designed by some sort of you know, graphic designer. Again, I love yeah. stuff like that. It's worth pointing out, I think, that you know Luke isn't going to like this. I think, but the the similarities between Luke and Peyton, <laughs> you know, you've got they both what, what moved, you, what? they both moved abroad. They're both teachers, look the yeah. same. I um, wrong DJs, actually. you know, they both do DJing. I thought, well, maybe their names mean the same. So I looked up what I looked up what Hayton meant. And uh, it means uh, it's an Arabic origin name meaning young eagle. Did you look up what Luke meant? Yeah, young eagle. <laughs> <laughs> you never see them in the same room, do you? Well, I don't know if you're going to keep it in, but at the at the end, after we'd finished recording, he did say, "Do I know you from somewhere?" So maybe we're like, um, okay. it's like a Fight Club thing going on. Maybe we're like part of each other. Yeah, you know each other like on a different plane. Dave, Dave saw right through it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah can't fool Dave. I, yeah. I spot this kind of thing. <laughs> One thing I thought was quite interesting was about how how he experienced fame and mm. how you know people came up to him and just thought they knew him. And yeah, it must be weird, right? I mean, I guess that'll happen to us soon. Yeah, that's it. We've got to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the Dave Jerkin is already selling out all over the UK. I liked it that he was um Haytham was saying he was a big fan of the word and how eclectic it was. And um we now know in uh retrospect, after speaking to Terry Christian, that that was a intentional um from him basically to have oh, yeah. It's eclectic mix of music. Oh, the word was so good music-wise, wasn't it? Really can't underestimate how good that programme was. We need to bring it back. Don't think it would work these days. They could have like an adapted version. Mm, Things, it never works, does it, bringing stuff back? They brought TFI Friday back for a, a few episodes and it was just... That wasn't good though, was it? That was great. It used to be brilliant. Because it wasn't the same as the word. I mean, Luke, we were talking about this the other oh, day. It's it really was. good. Yeah, we were talking about it. Yeah, we were saying we should try to get Chris Evans on the podcast. It was just on a in every uni house on a Friday. But I the bands it. he had on were incredible. It documented Britpop, right? Like, mm. yeah, the yeah, word finished as Britpop kicked off. Basically, yeah, you know, they had like the early ones. Yeah, similar. The word sort of documented grunge and the Grebo scene and all that sort of music. Dance the dance. Rock Fusion, Manchester, all that sort of stuff. They gave way to 
TFI Friday, I think. Yeah, just documented, that documented Britpop, Britpop pretty well. Yeah. Looking back, I did quite like it. I was just thinking I could see the word coming back, but I couldn't see that coming back. But then I thought, what actually, what difference was there? They brought it back a few years ago for a couple of episodes. And it was all right, but it's just a different time, isn't it? They're all set in those periods of history. It never works. It just never works, does it? No, oh, there must be, be something, for something new. Because like they brought back Shooting Stars as well, didn't they? And it was all right, but it was just it's just not the same. I was watching some of Vic and Bob, and it still is fucking brilliant. Weird as fuck. I like, I like the uh, Lloyd Bob. Grossman one where he just sort of floats around. That's it for this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you are watching, then please do uh, like, subscribe and leave a comment below. Let us know your favourite sense of songs. If you've seen them live, let us know. Um, just any sense of memories that you have. If you're listening to this podcast, then please do rate and review it. This is really important because it helps other people find the podcast. It means that we can grow and we can bring you more interviews. So please do take the time to just, just you know, just give us a review. Mixtape, it's um, it's halfway done. Um, yeah, I'll add a few more um, from uh, from today's chat. Yeah, put a bit of a Robson and Jerome on there, I guess. Um, yeah, the big takes a good one this this week actually. Um, I've put a bit of kind of prog and metal and stuff on there because he talks about that. So um, yeah, if you're into like Osric and all of that, then I'll put a put a bit of that on there. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a good. Dave loves your mixtapes. He'll be popping it on. Next week, we're going to have a Christmas wang, I think, aren't we? Because it's that time of year. Yeah, we always do a Christmas wang at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I think we are. <laughs> the traditional annual uh, Stupid and Contagious Christmas wang. Dave, have you got a Christmas jerkin or...? <laughs> <laughs> or you could pimp your jerkin. Could do. Could wear my onesie. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Bastard. Don't do that. <laughs> I'll do Come that. On. Don't, don't. You're not allowed on if you do that. So let's wrap this one up. Dave, over to you. See you in a minute. <laughs> that, 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 there was no, there was no, come on, time. give it a come bit on. of willy, come on. I'm sick of it, mate. For this. Come on. It. You shouldn't have invented a catchphrase if you didn't want to do it. I didn't. Do it, it properly, so. come on. It's a fair bet that people who have got to this part of the podcast want to hear this. So you've got yeah. to give it. It's the only reason they're staying. It's the only yeah. reason they're staying to the end. Come on, Dave. Come on, do it properly. See you in a minute. <laughs>